This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Cinco de Mayo. Let's, let's flood, the, flood the taco shops in town today after, at lunchtime. Everybody good? I, I, I prematurely... I prematurely cut all my hair off and got myself the summer dew. Now I'm, now I'm just cold. Anybody else? Let's, who else has got the summer dew? There's a few of you out there. You're like... So my name is Jeff McCoy. Um, I'd like to welcome you to Life Church. Um, I am a board member here at Life Church, and uh, Rich is speaking in uh, Bettendorf, I believe, today. So he's given me the opportunity uh, to speak to you this morning. We're going to continue on uh, the series, Love is Hard. Um, which is a really, really broad topic. I think we've got several more weeks uh, of this series um, that's going to continue. Today, we're specifically going to talk about how love is hard and how our words factor into to that, uh, that dynamic there. So I'd like to say welcome to our online audience. Um, that's me and my family sometimes. I, I love the opportunity to be able to be at home in our, in our shorts or our jammies and, and watch Life Church. That's pretty cool and pretty weird at the same time. But uh, we're glad that you're, you're watching today. Um, I was a little bit nervous. I've never, I've, I've spoken here at Life Church several times. Now the church is a lot, is quite a bit bigger than it was last time I spoke here. And uh, now we have the online thing. And uh, so I was just trying to forget about it. I'm like, you know, there's probably two or three people that are going to be watching it, you know, or maybe a million. I don't know. You just never know. It could blow up in, in one weekend, but so I kind of put it out of my mind, and then I was in the restroom, and on the way out of the restroom, the guy goes, good luck with second service with the live stream. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Why'd you have to remind me of that, you know? <laughs> but we're glad that you're here. Um, for, for me and my family, I'll give you just a little bit of a, a background. My family's here in this service. Rachel, my wife, give them a wave, and my son, Jesse, and my daughter, Kylie, and Amy, a friend from, uh, from our town that comes with us a lot of times. This is, our, this is our service. You guys are our homies. You guys are our peeps, our second service peeps. Um, but a lot of you, a lot of you are new. Um, and uh, so I'll just give you just a touch of background before we get into the Love is Hard uh, series. Um, so growing up, I grew up in a really, a, a pretty normal family. Um, uh, had been through two divorces as a kid. My, my, uh, my original dad, uh, I've never met him before. My mom remarried. Um, they had some dynamics there that we have, don't have a long enough, you know, don't have time to go into this morning, but uh, they got a divorce when I was probably, uh, I would say, eight or nine years old. Um, and, uh, and then my mom remarried again after, after waiting several years. That dad that my mom is married to uh, is the dad that I grew up with when I was a teenager. And uh, he's the one that's, that's really fighting uh, stage four cancer um, super hard. So thank you for Everybody that's been praying for him for the last going on five five years now, um, fighting fighting really really hard that battle. But um, um, so he was my dad growing up through my teenage years. Um, some some harder harder times in my life. When you're a kid, things are pretty light and fluffy. You know, um, you don't know a lot of a lot of the dynamics that are going on behind the scenes. A lot of the scary things that you um, are your your parents are encountering uh, in life and uh, when when you become a teenager you start to be awakened to a lot of those things and uh, uh, so I had I had friends that were starting to get into alcohol and drugs 
Um, some of them would come to school uh, drunk, you know, and on, on any number of things. And uh, I kind of watched that for a while. I really, I really had a desire to want to fit in, um, like most teens do, but I, I really wanted to just be on the in crowd. Uh, I saw my sister in the in crowd, and I thought that that was where, where you needed to be, you know. And so slowly I started to just kind of drift into that category where eventually I figured I would do the things that they were doing. I didn't have a lot of moral compass, so to speak. Uh, we grew up going to church as kids. My mom you know, made sure that we were in church, whether my dad came with us or whether he didn't. And, and, um, for, but for me, it was my parents' religion. It was their relationship, and it really wasn't mine. I thought it was good. I didn't deny that God was real, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. It wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't my thing. So... Um, uh, met my met, met my wife Rachel, um, and I always all through uh, youth ministry. I, I was part of youth ministries uh, for a lot of years. I'd always tell them, kids, don't expect that you're going to meet your mate like when you're when you're young. I was I was a sophomore in high school when I met Rachel, and we were together. We've been together all this time. Um, but I don't want to you know I don't want to paint the picture to young people that it just always happens that way. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It's not normal. But uh, so I met Rachel. My life was in a pretty, getting in a, a pretty dark place. I had um, times where I had suicidal, suicidal thoughts. Um, I was listening to the music that was kind of pulling me down. Um, I was hanging around people that were pulling me down. And uh, when I met Rachel, it was kind of like a refuge for me. Uh, it was kind of like, okay, now I can put something a little more positive as, a, as something for my life to kind of circulate around. And how many of you guys realize that becomes pretty unhealthy too, when you put somebody at the center of your, of your, of your life? And uh, so we, we did that, we did that for, for, for a couple of years. The summer after my junior year, um, Rachel, I knew, would always go to this church camp, which is the one that Marco was talking about, that's $230, which don't let that fool you, it's, it's, worth, it's worth the money. It was like 80 bucks when we went, I think. But uh, sh- her family always put high value on go- kids going to church camp. I, apparently it was fun, you know. And uh, I, I didn't want to uh, let her go there and, and create some story about finding some other more handsome, you know, guy, you know, and he wants to be a pastor and I, he's really nice. I think you and I should just stay friends, you know. I didn't want that scenario. So, so I, I chased her off to camp, even though the idea of going to camp to me was like a school extension, you know. Why would I want to go to school into the summer? I went with her anyway and... Um, uh, by the th- by, the third day of camp, my plan was to go protect protect my goods, you know. And <laughs> God's God's plan was to h- head our relationship off at the pass and really kind of you know show us what was most important and and get what's most important in where it belongs and prioritize. And so by Wednesday of that week, I don't I don't really even remember what the pastor specifically said, what he even looks like. Um, but at that point. Uh, we had kind of given God an ultimatum that basically was like, well, God, if you speak to us specifically about some things, you know, then we'll know that you're, you care about it and then we'll get our life right, you know? And, and God was really um, faithful with that. He really spoke to us and, uh, and we, we cried a, a bunch of tears and realized our life was gonna have to, we're gonna have to have some changes. And um, ever since that day, you know, props to God because I don't, I, I won't claim to be someone who can commit to something and, and really hang in there, especially when I was a teenager. Um, and all those years later, you know, here we are. Um, here I am preaching about Jesus Christ, you know, something that would make a teenager trying to fit in feel kind of embarrassed. But uh, that has changed my life 
and uh, a relationship with God is, is, is all it's cracked up to be. So um, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the path that led me to this place. I've been involved in church ministries in the past, um, been a pastor for several years, and now I run our family business, which is just kind of like, uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a church business. It's a whole different thing. So now I'm out in the marketplace doing different things, and I have the opportunity to speak here this morning. So I'm very grateful. Um, so just to kick off the love is hard thing, uh, Pastor Rich called me and said, hey, I'd like you to speak. This was months ago. I'd like you to speak on, on this, this day, Cinco de Mayo. And uh, he, uh, he said, you're going to speak about love is hard. And I was a little, in, in, had a little intrepidation because, you know, that's a real broad a, a broad subject, you know, um, but he said specifically I would speak about words, how our words play into the love is hard dynamic, and uh, so as as I was kind of preparing, I saw this commercial, and it, and it made me, I had to put it in here, and what's cool about it is it's going to help me understand who of you actually watch midday TV, so this will be really fun. If you watch, if you watch People's Court, look out, because I'm going to know who you are in this audience, so how many of you guys have seen that, that commercial? Yep. Okay. I think that that commercial is geared mostly to people that are at home during the day, you know, which, which is a, a cross section of people that generally aren't in school and that sort of thing. So this is Alex Trebek and uh, he is, he is laying out the foundation of the, uh, the three most important things for having the right life insurance. So he's getting ready to break it down, boil it down. And it's kind of a tease because it ends up being price, price, price. So when you think you're going to get some substantial answer about, you know, how do I know what you're, you're getting your notepad out? Like, okay, what is the three important things I need to know about life insurance? It's just price, price, price. It's easy. You just write it one time and you got the whole thing. So, but the reason I thought about this was because I, I really like it when things are boiled down, um, I wouldn't say I'm a simple person. I like a lot of details, which my wife knows, but um, I really do like it when things are, are boiled down to the least common denominator. And when you look in, uh, in Matthew 22, 34 through 40, um, Jesus is speaking to people. He's teaching them. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which were the, the really strong religious leaders of the time, they knew the Bible, um, they knew the scriptures back and forward, they memorized huge passages of scripture, they were the spiritual elite of the day. Um, these guys knew it front to back. And so they thought, well, let's just test this Jesus out because some of the things he's saying make sense. Some of them are a little bit weird and let's just, let's just try to get him to stumble a little because he's not elite like we are. And um, so here's what they said. It says uh, in Matthew 22, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the Pharisees hang on these two commandments. Let's do one thing. Let's just pause for one second. I should have done this in first service. Let's just take one second. I just want to pray and ask God specifically to speak to us. All of us are different in this room. We all have a different um, reason that we're here, but you are here for a reason. And uh, I just want to ask God to speak to us through this word. Lord, 
I pray this morning that you will speak specifically to every heart in here. Every dynamic is really different. Everybody showed up here in a different, you know, from a different scenario, a different lifestyle. Every one of us is going to go into a different week. And I pray that you'll equip us through your word to, uh, to reach people, um, to do the hard thing, which is to love throughout this week that's to come. And we give you this time. We give you our hearts and open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Jesus boils down in Matthew 22, Jesus boils down not the three Ps to, to getting good life insurance. It's something way more important than that. It's the, the, the two, and I'm going to throw in a third one there um, that's kind of tucked and kind of hidden away, but really important things that we need to be able to live this life. Like, like, if there is any commandments that I were to do, Jesus, what would those be? And it's like, that's the time I want to pull the notepad out and be like, okay, Jesus is saying this is the most important. And um, here's, the th- here's the three. Specifically, the first two were love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second one was love others. And then the one that I'm going to squeak in there that's implied is love yourself. Now, I'm not trying to be like, you know, put yourself in the center of everything and, you know, it's all about us and what we get on Easter. And, all, and all, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm not going that far. But I am saying God created your neighbor and he created you and he cares about your neighbor and he also cares about you. You know, it's not love your neighbor, do everything you can for your neighbor and then become a doormat so that everybody in, in your family or everybody in the world can walk on you because you're not important to God. It's more like love your neighbor in the same fashion that you would love yourself. So in essence, if you will, God is saying, I love you, so you love you. I love your neighbor, so you love your neighbor. I love you, so you love me. So those are really, really key areas um, that, he's, that he's kind of boiling down for us here. So I thought of a couple of things. So love is hard. Um, and so here's, some, here's some, some title options for our, our talk this morning. Love is hard, and then words come along. And you end up sleeping alone on the couch. (laughs) Anybody relate to that one? (laughs) Love is hard and then words come along and make it even harder because your words can get you in a lot of trouble. Um, Then I realized that's kind of more of like the the masculine title. You know, that might apply to more of us men who have foot and mouth disease and get sent to the couch and sleep on the couch. So I've made a youth inclusion version and it goes like this. Love is hard and then words come along and you end up getting grounded for a month with no phone and you do not get to sleep alone on the couch. And you can, you can substitute Fortnite any which place that you want to in there. Fortnite gets taken away. You get, yeah. So we'll just stick with love is hard and we'll just go dot, dot words. How's that? That'll be easier. So two main things main characteristics about our words. Um, And uh, all of us will relate to this because we all use words all day long. Um, Number one, why are words important? The two main important things, words plant. Words plant. That's one really big thing. Words create things. Words produce things. Just like when you throw a seed into a garden, something's going to grow. If you plant uh, an apple tree, you can't expect to get you know, bananas, you know, or, or pine nuts for your hummus or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to make. Whatever you plant is what's going to grow back out. So that's why our words are very important because our words affect our, our, our life that we're planting, sowing into our life. Um, 
Number, uh, well, actually, let me read a scripture. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21, it says this. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I mean, that is, that's, that's a re- reason for us to put the brakes on. If we're just diarrhea of the mouth, and you're just like, well, I just say what I feel, you know? I just, I'm just one of those unfiltered people. I just say whatever comes to mind, you know? That's, we got to put the brakes on that, you know, because we're planting things, we're sowing things out. How many of you guys have said something and you wished you could take it back? But that doesn't really happen. Try that in marriage. Say something out. This is going to feel really good because I'm going to be, I'm I'm right in this situation. So I'm just going to sow this out there. And then you get to uproot the weeds that you planted later on. So, Another thing, uh, words plant, that's why they're important. They, they have the power of life and death. The second one is that words are unexpectedly powerful. And the scripture makes that really very, very clear. Words are unexpectedly powerful. And in, in James, if you've done a devotional in the book of James, you find out where it talks about words, our words, and how careful we need to be with our words. You know, it, it, it alludes to a spark, how a spark can start a whole forest you know, when they had the California forest fires, it just starts with one little campfire or one little cigarette or one little bit of carelessness and it can burn down an entire, an entire forest. Hundreds and hundreds of years of growth just burnt down and, and shredded. Scripture talks about how you can take a horse and you can tame a huge, strong animal. You can put a bit in their mouth, which is just a little tiny thing. You can put it in their mouth and a little jockey on top, a little white, lightweight, you know, 90-pound jockey can control this animal of great strength that could plow a whole field, you know, has all kinds of energy to store. But a little bit can control that, that big animal. And then in James 3, 4, um, it says, like ships, take ships for an example. It says, although they are large, they are driven along, they're driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. And that, that's a word picture in itself, you know? An, a, a, a rudder is a very, very small thing compared to the size of a ship. And that's what, that's what the crooks of this whole thing is, is that your words are so powerful. Your words can make or break love. If love is hard, then we have to be really careful with our words because we can make or break love with the words that we say. So I'll do a little bit like, because we could talk about this for a long, long time, but I'm going to boil it down like Alex Trebek. I'm going to be the AT, boil it down kind of guy. And we're going to boil it down to a few things that, that uh, why words make such a big deal. Um, what areas, what key areas do we want to, to focus in our love? Um, if Jesus said the key areas of, of serving me or doing things that please God and honor God are love God, love others, and, and uh, in essence, love yourself and honor, and honor what God's created. Then let's take that today and we'll just focus there. We'll focus on how our words can honor and can love God, how our words can love others, and how we can love ourselves with our words. So let's start with the first one, um, God and our words. Love is hard. How do our words factor into that relationship that we have with God? Well, right off the bat, you know, you may have, if you're new here at Life Church, you may be like, why at the beginning, why did we sing so much, you know? Uh, one of the, the reasons isn't so that we can create an environment where people can comfortably come in from the lobby after a big donut, you know? It's, it's really, we're, we're, we're worshiping God, we're saying, we're speaking out 
to God. We're in unison. We're loving God together with our words. We're saying, Lord, I praise you. Lord, thank you. Um, Lord, uh, we, we, love, we love who you are. Um, I remember, and I, I alluded to this when I, went to, when I went to camp and I came to a place where um, I surrendered my heart to God and that $80 became a really you know, worthy investment. I remember our youth pastor had this, uh, had this banner and it was a Jesus banner in the youth room. And I remember thinking like up to that point, honoring God or loving God was just the farthest thing from my mind. Like the idea of worshiping and singing and all that stuff, it was just like, it was, you know, not something that I really wanted to do. And I remember going to our youth pastor and saying, hey, can I have that Jesus banner when you're done with it? You know, I want to put it in my room. You know, a teenager with a Jesus banner and it was like pastel. It had like pastel colors. I was going to, I was going to, you know, tape that in my room, you know, represent, you know, what I, what I love most. And that's a big leap from where I was, you guys, you know, that's not a pat on my back. That's a pat on, wow, God is dynamic. God is good. And to go from a place where the words that you speak out are like, well, I don't know if God's real. I don't know. To a place of saying, Lord, we love you. We honor you. What we're doing when we do that is we're building a bridge of love to God. You know, we're building, we're, we're building up love. We're, we're, we're showering love on God. And you might not feel it at times, but, but God is there. When two or more are gathered together in his presence, his presence is there when we're worshiping. That's one way that we can, we can love God. That's one way that we can build that relationship. Love is hard. Loving God is hard. But when we worship him, it, it, it tears down walls, walls that we don't even see. I think about... Um, Paul and Silas, you know, when they were in prison and they started worshiping God, they were covered, all the prisoners, they were in prison, they were all covered in chains and they started worshiping God and the people's chains were broken off. That's the power of worship. That's the power of building a bridge to the one and only living God with our words and with our praise. So that's why we praise. That's why we worship. On the flip side, um, anger you know, anger towards God, words of anger towards God. God, you did this, and, and so I'm not going to do this. Indifference towards God. I'm, God, I'm just not going to talk to you. I just don't want to talk to you. I can't believe I, I have. I know I have some folks that I know that have had bad things happen in their life, and, and from that point on, that was a, a, a marker in their life. They're like, well, you know, and you can just see it. You can just tell it's affected their life to the core to where they're like, eh, God, God didn't care about me there, so why am I gonna, you know, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't pitch a penny towards me over here, so why would I do that for him over here? You know, he's not doing me any favors. And that really, that, that doesn't make God wanna love us less, but that puts a wall, it puts a wedge up in our relationship with God. It makes that love even harder. Um, doubtfulness. Lord, I don't know, I don't know if you're real. I, I really think, I really think that God wants us to be honest and real with him. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't tell God when we doubt things, but there's a difference between I doubt God, I don't trust God, so I'm putting a wall up and, and actually coming to God and saying, Lord, I wanna communicate with you. Talk to me about this, help me. That's building a bridge versus closing a door. Um, I remember, I, I'm gonna tread lightly when I say this a little bit because I was definitely... Uh, very young and uh, and immature at this stage. God, my relationship with God wasn't my own at this point. I remember when my grandfather passed away when I was in fifth grade, well, 
sixth grade. He was in a coma for quite a few, quite, quite a few months. It was really hard for me as a kid because my, and through the divorces that my mom and, and dad had, dads have been through, uh, for me to have something stable was really, really important. And my grandfather was that and my grandma was that for me. But my grandpa, when we would get to his house um, for a holiday or for, you know, just to visit, uh, he, would, he would wait out there and wait for our car to pull up. And then he would come out and he would hug us so hard that our, that our ribs just like felt like they were going to overlap and crush our lungs. You know, and we joke about it as kids, but we knew, we knew that the love that he had for us was very tangible. He loved us so much. And um, uh, he passed away, a freak accident. He was a roofer all his life and he was up on a ladder and the ladder fell and he fell and went into a coma. And, and we never, I never talked to him after that where he communicated back. He was just kind of in a vegetative state. And that was really, really hard for me as a kid. And growing up in the Methodist church, we would, they would have hymns and, and, you know, sermons and all that stuff. So I would go to church with my parents. But um, all I knew up to that point was that God is in control of whether we live or die. And God took my grandpa away from me. And so I, as a kid, as a young kid, I made the determination that I was no longer going to give God my words of praise in church. I wasn't going to sing anymore to God. And so they would be singing in church and all that stuff. And it was kind of like my, you know, I'm holding God hostage, sort of, you know, I'm like, okay, God, you did this. So I'm not going to do this type of thing. And the reason I say I'm treading lightly is because all of us have struggles. My, my dad is, is fighting for his life in cancer. And my kids are in that situation where they're watching him have real hardships as a real strong man, have real weaknesses that he's so sad about and my mom's so sad about, we're so sad about. And we could, we could say, God, because of what you're doing in his life, because of the weakness that he's uh, under, uh, underneath, because of the hardship that he's experiencing and we've experienced as a result of it, I'm just not gonna worship you anymore. You know, or I'm not gonna love you anymore or I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you hostage, God. You're, you're not gonna be number one in my life. And that's a really dangerous that's a really dangerous and, and, and really mostly sad way to see things because God sees, he, he knows our beginning from our end and we're all, all of us are mortal. Whether we die of kidney failure or we die of this or we die of old age and we're 105 years old or 120 years old, um, God sees the beginning from the ends. He knows the suffering that we'll experience in this life. He knows the hardships that we'll experience, but he's there in the midst of it, working all things together for the good of those who love him. So we just have to wait for the next chapter sometimes. Instead of holding God hostage and saying, because you did this, you mean this, and I'm not gonna do this, just remember he sees the big picture and we don't, you know? So that was a bad decision to, uh, to not worship. When I came to Christ at that camp, then I started singing, now I sing. So you'll see me in here on a Sunday morning singing and not being too ashamed about it. So that's how God and our words relate um, with how we love and the difficulty of love. Let's look at others and our words. Love is hard. We're gonna be around other people later on today. You'll be around coworkers and people at school and all that stuff. How can we, how can we show love to other people with our words? Well, it's, it's very obvious, you know, being intentional, you know, taking the extra time to go up to somebody and say, hey, you know, you look good today or I like your this or I like that. Sowing, sowing those seeds, remembering that our words are planting seeds. Giving kindness and respect to people, encouraging people. Those are ways that we can build love, that we can build other people up. The flip side of that would be sarcasm. 
cutting people down. It's so easy, man. When we're watching TV at night, sometimes we have to just like rein it in because like if sometimes you feel like, well, because they're on TV, they're a, they're a target. I can say whatever I want to about them, you know? And, uh, and, or we feel that way about coworkers with other coworkers or whatever. It's so easy to plant seeds of sarcasm and discouragement and hate and discord and all that stuff. But remember, everything that you sow is gonna grow. You know, so we have to be really careful with the things that we're sowing. God says for us to love others and words can get us into a lot of trouble. They can break down the relationships that we have with others. Um, one thing that helps me a lot of times is when we're driving down the road and somebody's real slow in front of us or a server is not doing what they're supposed to. Just remember that people are kids, people are grandmas, people are grandpas, people are great grandpas and great grandmas, people are People are dads, people are moms. All of us struggle. All of us have days where we're off. All of us have times where we're not driving fast enough or we pull out in front of somebody when we shouldn't. Just remembering that we're all part of that same thing. You know, We're all part of the same thing, being a human being. And we all have weakness. We all have struggles. Um, you, that person that you want to ream out because they're being slow might be a grandma who had a rough time because her, her uh, grandson is into drugs and she stayed overnight at the hospital to try to help him get back on his feet. I mean, any number of things can be a reason why we don't need to cut somebody down or tear into them or be sarcastic or cutting or careless with them. So it's really important how we sow our words. Um, ourselves with our words, this is, uh, I remember uh, in ministry, being younger, um, having a lot of challenges and things like that. I remember I, I've got a, a close friend of mine who's a mentor to me. And he had a, in his office, he had a chair and then another chair. And I was always welcome to come into his office and sit in that chair. And he would sit right next to me and put his arm around me. And he would just encourage me. He would just, when I was struggling, I just, I'd spout off all these things that are going wrong and hard things and all this stuff. And he would just be like, he would just kind of laugh at me and he'd go, just relax you know, and then he would just build me up and encourage me and sow seeds into me. And, and that is the power, that's the power of words. Really, he was saying things that, because I trusted him, I would let those things in. And he would say this to me, he'd say, how's your self-talk going? How's your self-talk going? And I'm like, that sounds a little bit weird. That sounds like motivational speaker, you know, like, what are you telling yourself? Make sure you're telling yourself the right things, you know. But he would say, how's your self-talk doing? And basically what he's saying is, what's the traffic cop of your mind letting in? And what are you shutting out? When somebody comes to you and says, you are a good person, you're a, you're a woman of God, a man of God, you're a good kid. When they say those things, are you flipping that around inside and saying, eh, but they don't know me really. You know, like they don't know my real thoughts. If they did, they would know that I'm just an absolute loser and a freak. You know, is that what's happening in your mind? Sometimes we let in the things that we shouldn't let in and we keep out the things that we should let in. You know what I'm saying? And so we have to remember this. God loves us. God wants to build into our lives. So we have to be careful with what, we, what seeds we allow to, to pl- take root in our own hearts. Because before you know it, we'll think a lot of thoughts that don't belong to the heart of God about ourselves. And then all of a sudden we start going downhill and we start realizing, wow, you know, um, I feel worthless. I think it's time for me to take my life. This world would be better without me. And that's not the truth. That's not the truth. God doesn't create junk. The scripture says when he created you, when he created man, he said it was very good. And yeah, we struggle. Yeah, we have hardships. Yeah, we look ugly on the inside. But thank God we have a God who sees 
through those things and sent his son to die on a cross so that when we're at our absolute worst, that he could say, you know what, I'll take that one. I love that one. You know, that's what, that's what he speaks to us. So it was cool. I love the example in the scriptures. Before Jesus did any miracles, Jason Upton, a preacher I like to listen to sometimes, he accentuated this, this thought. Before Jesus did any miracles, before he did anything great, before he fed the 5,000, the scriptures say when he was baptized, the heavens opened up and the father spoke over his life and said, this is my son, with him I am well pleased. I mean, that's, what kind of a stamp of approval is that, you know? And I think sometimes we need to let God speak that over our lives because he sent his son to pay a high price because you are worth a high price. So any other flack, any other noise that you're hearing in your mind about how worthless you are, what a failure you are, or how you're not gonna succeed at this, or you don't have what it takes to do this, just, just fall back on the fact that God paid a high price for you, not just for this room collectively, but for you as an individual and for the calling that you have and for the places that you're going to go in your life. You're worth it. The, the Israelites are notorious all throughout the scripture for forgetting and we're just like the Israelites. I want to give us four little things, quick things to take away with us um, so we can put them in our back pocket and when we have to deal with people and love and how hard love is this week, we can, we can utilize these things. But the key for us is just remembering. The Israelites saw God do a wonderful signs and wonders and just short generations later, they forgot all about what God was doing and they grumble and they complain and it seems so frustrating, but we're all like that. We need to remember throughout the week, love is hard, but our words can create life or our words can create death. Here's four things to remember about our words. Hopefully this will, this will let it all kind of coagulate for us. Remember that your words mean life and death. That speaks to the importance of our words. Remember that your words mean life or death. There's no exceptions. It's either gonna help or it's gonna hinder. So don't say things that you wanna take back later on. Try your best. Ask God to put a filter over your mouth and just be a little bit slower to speak and quicker to listen. Remember that you have a limited amount of time on this earth. That all of us have just a certain window of time to love on our kids, to love on our spouses, to love on what God has created in us, to love on our coworkers. There's just a window of time that we have and we have to be really intentional about the way that we're using that time. The third one is remember what you plant, you will see grow. And that speaks to accountability because I'm accountable for the things that I speak. Love is hard and my words can create death or life and I'm accountable for the death and the life that I speak out of this, this tongue that can be so dangerous. And then lastly, remember that you can't give what you don't get and that speaks to dependence. And that means, like the scripture says, we love because he first loved us. Jeff McCoy cannot love anyone well in this room or online, anybody who's listening. I can't love you well unless God first pours love into my heart. Everything else beyond that is just gonna be me doing it in my own strength, me faking it. The scripture says he first loved us and that, that's how we can love. So when you're feeling depleted, down, you feel like ripping somebody's head off, making fun of everybody on TV because they're losers or their hair's weird or whatever, when you're in that headspace, just remember, you know what? I probably need to plug into the, into the charger and get recharged. I'm, I'm glitching a little bit, you know? 
I need, I need to depend on him more. I need to hear his words over my life more. I need to let him strengthen me from the inside. So maybe, maybe you've failed in closing. Maybe you've failed up to this point. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. Maybe on the way to church this morning, you laid into somebody really good and said things that you didn't, you didn't want to say. A good friend of mine said to me one day when I was struggling, he said, the best day to plant a tree is yesterday, which doesn't sound very encouraging. But the, best, the second best day to plant a tree is today. We can't control what happened yesterday. I can't control the words that I spoke yesterday, but I can control what I do with my words in my mouth and how I appropriate my love with my words today. And so that's the challenge for us is to just, we, some of us need to start over and, and uproot some weeds, go through the garden and pull up some weeds. But God will help you with that. Just depend on him. Maybe you're in this room and you're like I was before I went to camp and you don't have a relationship with God. There's no pour in happening because you've put a wall up or because you've never chosen to, to let him in. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 says, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. All we need to do this morning to plant that tree and start in that, in that direction is just say, Lord, I have sinned. That's what I did at camp that one time. Lord, I've sinned. I need a savior. I want to turn around. I want to start going in the direction that you have for my life. Let's just take a second and pray. And if that's you this morning, they've got connection cards you can write on there today. I said yes to Jesus. Or, or you can talk to somebody else, make it known. Hey, I, I want to turn my life around. I want to start following God. Lord, this morning, all of us have different places that we come from and different places that we're going, but all of us use words. All of us love. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be good stewards with the things that you've given us, good stewards with these tongues that are in our mouths and help us to love people well in the time that we have. Lord, I pray that you'll give us the strength we need this week to do that and to, and to love well the way that you love well break the works of the enemy off of our lives that would speak lies and deceit into our hearts. And for those in this room that are saying, Lord, I, I do need to turn it around. Lord, you come to them with open arms and show them how great is our God. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.